Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Nearly all except the pagan harpooners, he seemed to doubt even whether Stubb and Flask might not willingly overlook the site he sought. But if these suspicions were really his, he sagaciously refrained from verbally expressing them, however his actions might seem to hint them. "'I will have first sight of the whale myself,' he said. "'Aye, Ahab must have the doubloon.' And with his own hands he rigged a nest of basketed bowlins, and, sending a hand aloft with a single sheaved block to secure to the main masthead, he received the two ends of the downward-reeved rope, and attaching one to his basket prepared a pin for the other end, in order to fasten it at the rail. This done, with that end yet in his hand, and standing beside the pin, he looked round upon his crew, sweeping from one to the other, pausing his glance long upon Dagu, Queequeg, Tashtego, but shunning Fadala, and then, settling his firm, relying eye upon the chief mate, said, "'Take the rope, sir. I give it into thy hands, Starbuck.' Then, arranging his person in the basket, he gave the word for them to hoist him to his perch, Starbuck being the one who secured the rope at last, and afterwards stood near it. And thus, with one hand clinging round the royal mast, Ahab gazed abroad upon the sea for miles and miles, ahead, astern, this side and that, within the wide expanded circle commanded at so great a height. When, in working with his hands at some lofty, almost isolated place in the rigging, which chances to afford no foothold, the sailor at sea is hoisted up to that spot, and sustained there by the rope, under these circumstances its fastened end on deck is always given in strict charge to some one man who has the special watch of it, because in such a wilderness of running rigging whose various different relations aloft cannot always be infallibly discerned by what is seen of them at the deck and when the deck ends of these ropes are being every few minutes cast down from the fastenings it would be but a natural fatality if unprovided with a constant watchman the hoisted sailor should by some carelessness of the crew be cast adrift and fall all swooping to the sea so ahab's proceedings in this matter were not unusual the only strange thing about them seemed to be that starbuck almost the one only man who had ever ventured to oppose him with anything in the slightest degree approaching to decision one of those too whose faithfulness on the lookout he had seemed to doubt somewhat it was strange that this was the very man he should select for his watchman freely giving his whole life into such an otherwise distrusted person's hands now the first time ahab was perched aloft ere he had been there ten minutes one of those red-billed savage sea-hawks which so often fly incommodiously close round the manned mastheads of whalemen in these latitudes one of those birds came wheeling and screaming round his head in a maze of untrackably swift circlings 
then it darted a thousand feet straight up into the air, then spiralized downwards and went eddying again round his head. But with his gaze fixed upon the dim and distant horizon, Ahab seemed not to mark this wild bird, nor, indeed, would any one else have marked it much, it being no uncommon circumstance. Only now, almost the least heedful eye seemed to see some sort of cunning meaning in almost every sight. "'Your hat! Your hat, sir!' suddenly cried the Sicilian seaman, who, being posted at the mizzen masthead, stood directly behind Ahab, though somewhat lower than his level, and with a deep gulf of air dividing them. But already the sable wing was before the old man's eyes, the long hooked bill at his head. With a scream the black hawk darted away with his prize. An eagle flew thrice round Tarquin's head, removing his cap to replace it, and thereupon Tanaquil, his wife, declared that Tarquin would be king of Rome. But only by the replacing of the cap was that omen accounted good. Ahab's hat was never restored. The wild hawk flew on and on with it, far in advance of the prow, and at last disappeared, while from the point of that disappearance a minute black spot was dimly discerned falling from that vast height into the sea. Chapter 131 The Pequod Meets the Delight The intense Pequod sailed on, the rolling waves and days went by, the life-boy coffin still lightly swung, and another ship, most miserably misnamed the Delight, was descried. As she drew nigh, all eyes were fixed upon her broad beams, called shears, which in some whaling ships crossed the quarter-deck at the height of eight or nine feet, serving to carry the spare, unrigged, or disabled boats. Upon the stranger's shears were beheld the shattered white ribs and some few splintered planks of what had once been a whale-boat. But you now saw through this wreck, as plainly as you see through the peeled, half-unhinged and bleaching skeleton of a horse. "'Hast seen the white whale!' "'Look!' replied the hollow-cheeked captain from his taffrail, and with his trumpet he pointed to the wreck. "'Hast killed him?' "'The harpoon is not yet forged that will ever do that,' answered the other, sadly glancing upon a rounded hammock on the deck, whose gathered sides some noiseless sailors were busy in sewing together. "'Not forged!' and snatching Perth's levelled iron from the crotch, Ahab held it out, exclaiming, "'Look ye, Nantucketer! Here in this hand I hold his death! Tempered in blood, and tempered by lightning are these barbs, and I swear to temper them triply in that hot place behind the fin, where the white whale most feels his accursed life!' "'Then God keep thee, old man! Seest thou that?' pointing to the hammock. I bury but one of five stout men, who were alive only yesterday, but were dead ere night. Only that one I bury. The rest were buried before they died. You sail upon their tomb. Then turning to his crew, Are you ready there? Place the plank then on the rail and lift the body. So then, O oh God, advancing toward the hammock with uplifted hands, May the resurrection and the life, 
Brace forward! Up helm! cried Ahab like lightning to his men. But the suddenly started Pequod was not quick enough to escape the sound of the splash that the corpse soon made as it struck the sea. Not so quick indeed, but that some of the flying bubbles might have sprinkled her hull with their ghostly baptism. As Ahab now glided from the dejected delight, the strange life-boy hanging at the Pequod's stern came into conspicuous relief. "'Ha! Yonder! Look yonder, men!' cried a foreboding voice in her wake. "'In vain, O oh, ye strangers, you fly our sad burial. You but turn us your taffrail to show us your coffin!' Chapter 132 The Symphony it was a clear, steel-blue day. The firmaments of air and sea were hardly separable in that all-pervading azure. Only the pensive air was transparently pure and soft, with a woman's look, and the robust and man-like sea heaved with long, strong, lingering swells as Samson's chest in his sleep. Hither and thither, on high, glided the snow-white wings of small, unspeckled birds. These were the gentle thoughts of the feminine air, but to and fro in the deeps, far down in the bottomless blue, rushed mighty leviathans, swordfish, and sharks, and these were the strong, troubled, murderous thinkings of the masculine sea. But though thus contrasting within, the contrast was only in shades and shadows without, those two seemed one. It was only the sex, as it were, that distinguished them. Aloft, like a royal czar and king, the sun seemed giving this gentle air to this bold and rolling sea, even as bride to groom. And at the girdling line of the horizon, a soft and tremulous motion, most seen here at the equator, denoted the fond, throbbing trust the loving alarms with which the poor bride gave her bosom away. Tied up and twisted, gnarled and knotted with wrinkles, haggardly firm and unyielding, his eyes glowing like coals that still glow in the ashes of ruin, untottering Ahab stood forth in the clearness of the morn, lifting his splintered helmet of a brow to the fair girl's forehead of heaven. O oh, immortal infancy and innocency of the azure, invisible winged creatures that frolic all round us, sweet childhood of air and sky, how oblivious were ye of old Ahab's close-coiled woe! But so have I seen little Miriam and Martha, laughing-eyed elves, heedlessly 